I would say any humanly feeling that's possible, these guys are experiencing. Which is like, for some reason, we put all these professional athletes on a platform, but like we all put our pants on the same way at the end of the day, and we're all human, and we all go through the same thoughts, feelings, and emotions. But, you know, it's how do we wrangle those and, and still have control? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And yes, to those that are regularly looking for episodes on a weekly or, you know, bi-weekly basis, the podcast is back. But um, to those that are just kind of popping in out of nowhere, it's business as usual. Uh, on today's episode, we've got a special guest. Her name is Sarah Taylor. Uh, she has her master's uh, in sports psychology and um, she is a mental performance coach who works with golfers, uh, PJ Tour players, Corn Ferry Tour players, uh, professional golfers. So uh, this is perfect for the mental golf show. I, I it's it's such a such a cool thing to connect with people like Sarah um, and get to talk about the exact thing that um, her and I both do, and the exact thing that you as a listener is is wanting to hear. So. The, we cover a ton of really great stuff. Kind of, it's kind of fast hitting in this one. Um, it's just really great. She brings an awesome perspective. She's she's unique to any other person, and that's why I like doing this: is to get different per- perspectives on the same topic uh, because it always brings out new new ways to think about it, new ways to say it that might resonate with you better. So. Yeah, I hope you enjoy this. Um, I don't. I don't have much else to say. I just want to. I, I just hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn from it. I hope you take notes, um, as always. So, let's get right into this episode with Sarah Taylor. Uh, maybe you can just start by. Um kind of telling your story. Um, I've, I've heard your story, but you know, for our listeners, maybe kind of catch us up on how you got to here. I know it's a pretty wild ride, but, um, yeah, maybe you could fill us in. Yeah. Which story are we talking? We talking like, (laughs) (laughs) that's a good question, actually. Um, let's, how did you end up as a mental performance coach? That kind of thing. Like, I know that's, that's also a big can of worms, but, um, yeah. How did you get to what you're doing? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so I actually began my career. It was always my dream to be a sports reporter, actually. And that's what I, I you know, did my undergrad studying and, you know, got all the internships, did it all. So when I when I graduated, um, I, you know, took off running and uh, was a sports reporter um, out in Alabama. So I was covering, you know, football and and all sports. And, um, you know, from there, I ended up getting a job offer to come over and work for Fox Sports San Diego. So through that kind of continued to build on my career and then was kind of, you know, moved up from there and there and there. Um, But through there, I was able to, you know, cover uh, a big, you know, wide variety of professional sports. Um, But I also was able to uh, cover some golf in the meantime. And, um, you know, would go to various events and, and you know, uh, do some reporting there. So that was really fun for me. And, um, you know, I had a, when I was living in San Diego, I had a, you know, pretty decently big life event happen that kind of changed my perspective uh, and kind of shifted my mindset to, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit unfulfilled in this reporting role that I'm, I'm in and felt like I had this strong desire to get out and serve, uh, wanted to have a job that was a little bit more fulfilling in that regard, felt like I was here for a reason and wanted to develop a skill set to help me do that, to serve others. And it was funny because while I was working, you know, in sports, whether it was golf or football or, or, or basketball, I was noticing one common theme with these professional athletes that I was talking to. And it was, you know, the the mental struggles. And this was even before mental health was really talked about like it is today. So as that kept coming up, I, I felt so helpless in these interviews, like, 
I have nothing to offer these athletes in that regard and wish I did, you know, what would it look like if I were equipped with the tools and strategies to help these guys? Um, and at the time I was doing a lot of internal work. And so I was training my mind and using, you know, mental and psychological skills and strategies to, you know, help me be the best I can be not only in my everyday life, but in my reporting career, because I, I suffered with, you know, uh, a lot of lack of confidence at times and, you know, got in my own way um, on live television. So uh, I was, you know, thinking, gosh, this has transformed my life and really sharpened, um, you know, my mind training, training my mind has really sharpened me what would that look like in sports? Then, you know, got into the whole uh, realm of sports psychology. So went back, got my master's um, kinesiology and sport and exercise psychology. And uh, from there kind of just hit the ground running, started working in the trenches and really um, started, you know, I was working with a variety of different athletes, but really developed this passion uh, for the golf community and um, just love how individual it is. You know, it's tough. Anybody you know best, you're a golfer. You know, anybody who golfs knows, even if you putt-putt, you know, it's a hard <laughs> sport. Uh, and it's individual. So I felt like um, we could get some really cool work uh, done in that in that realm and, and kind of took off. And, and it's really been the ride of my life. I'm living my dream every single day working with these guys. And um been able to do some cool work it feels like and it's just the most fulfilling uh challenging and rewarding job I think personally I'm a little biased that there is um but it's fun because no day's the same and it's a challenge and it's awesome so that's kind of the short spark note version of how I was able uh to, to get into this role but um, I'm thankful for for every every second of it for sure yeah that's awesome that's a it's a cool story and um I I definitely I recognize the the one-sided nature of the the um reporting. It's like all you're doing is asking questions and you're hearing these responses and nothing to give back to it and it's and I I kind of went through a similar thing of like I was the golfer, it was very one-sided except it was just me for reporting, it was just them for mm -hmm. you and and it's like there's more than this. There's more than just this one-sided thing mm -hmm. and and you turn it into a way to help. Um, and that's awesome. So to, you know, with the risk of just jumping right into it, how, what do you do? Like when you say serve players, how, how would you best summarize how you serve players? Like, mm -hmm. sure. There's like, they come to you with an issue and you try to help them by giving them an answer, but maybe on a deeper level, how do you feel like what you do serves them? Uh, you know, maybe more holistically. Maybe do you have an answer for that? Absolutely. So I would say that I think kind of when I was building, you know, my 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 business and my practice and you know, setting the 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 foundation and how I wanted to do what I wanted to do, a big part of that was relationship-based. So for me, I don't feel like, you know, anybody's gonna want to come, you know, embark on this journey with me as, as their mental performance coach, if we don't have a good relationship. So first and foremost, for me, it's, it's about just diving into who they are, how they think and, and what their life looks like and what it's looked like in the past and what they want it to look like in the future. And, and, um, you know, just learning about them. And, you know, a lot of this happens outside of just sessions. It's, it's, spending time with them and spending time with their family, spending time with their spouses. You know, it's funny. I always joke, like I probably talk to the spouses of my golfers more than I talk to my golfers. But for me, it's, it's part of it. You know, it's, it's a relationship. This is, it's an honor for me to be on their team. And um, their team is, is more than just me. I talk to their swing coach. I talk to their putting coaches. I talk to their caddies, uh, their spouses and their agents, you know, we're a big team. So, um, you know, I feel like with that relationship comes a lot of service because sometimes these guys just need to talk. And a lot of times it's not about golf and it can be about, you know, all these different things being thrown their way. You know, I work with several PGA tour players who are, you know, have so many different variables going on and so many uncontrollables thrown their way on a daily basis where, 
you know, they just, they have all the answers. I'm not giving answers. They know what they need in that moment, but sometimes they just need someone to talk it out and unpack things with, or maybe just somebody to help guide them. Um, they, I truly believe the athlete has everything they need within them and they have all the answers. It's just my job to help, um, you know, unpack everything, reflect, and then possibly guide them, help guide them to, to, you know, which direction they're trying to go. So, um, I think that's a big way that I try and serve is really just being there. And, um, I think often that's what a lot of these guys are, are, are craving is just someone that they can work through all these different things with. So, I mean, obvious, there's the obvious mental, the tangible mental and psychological skills that we do to, you know, help their overall performance and psychological well-being. But I think it goes beyond that. Like, that's the obvious. I think for me, it's like, how do we how 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 can I be there for them and help them? be the person that they want to be. What, how, how can I do that for them? And it looks different for every single guy. No guy is the same. So that's, what's fun, you know? Yeah. Well said. And something I've noticed is the, the compartmentalization, you mentioned all the different members of the team Mm -hmm. that the player has a different relationship with each member of the team. So he won't bring up the same things to his swing coach, to his Mm -hmm. agent, to his spouse. I mean, in some ways, like it, (laughs) To you, he has this different thing that deeper things will come out. And and Mm -hmm. like, I know Sarah is listening to me for this purpose, Mm -hmm. and this is what we're trying to accomplish. So it's an integral piece of that pie that the best players in the world need to fill. Otherwise, they're like, they're not getting that outlet from their swing coach. I mean, you know, they can talk to whoever about whatever, but you have the actual skill to reflect that back to them and help them in that way. Mm -hmm, For sure. And I think like, that's what you see the best in the world are doing. So that's like the, the, the thing I try and, you know, encourage everyone is like, we all need someone to talk to, right? Like, I don't want to go dump all my, all my stuff on my husband. You know what I mean? That's not really fair to him. And, And I do. And that's part of a relationship for sure. But like, Um, you know, I work with somebody because I've got a lot on my mind, especially from harboring a bunch of stuff from other people. So it's like, I think it's just so healthy for everybody to have that, that outlet where they can just uncensored, they can just dump, you know, for lack of better words. Um, and sometimes I don't think it's healthy to do that, uh, with a spouse or with, you know, your swing coach or whoever it may be. I think just having someone who that is their role, I think can be so special and powerful. Yeah. A big, a big form of that is parent child with, you know, the child being the golfer. And it's like, there's something there when, when golf becomes, gets between the parent and the kid. Mm. Um, it just, it kind of creates a toxic environment from what I've seen. Do you, do you work with any, um, kind of junior golfers or junior players of any kind? Is that, is that something you do? You know, I don't, I don't, but I I think, you know, that would be, that would be a, a fun challenge in itself because there is so much going on there typically. And there's a big dynamic there, um, you know, which everybody, it it looks different for everybody, but yeah, no, typically I'm, I'm really majority of my clientele is like corn fairy tour, PGA tour players. Sure. But that's great. Yeah. Fun challenge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a fun challenge. I, I have some myself. So yeah. Um, maybe you should stay up where you are. <laughs> we'll take care of this down here. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. Um, so yeah, that's, um, I, I love the way you're saying that building relationships, that's the best way to get at the deeper things. Um, but for you as a coach, um, I know you got your master's, so that was a whole learning environment, but is there other ways that you, regularly improve yourself as a coach? Are there, you know, things you're reading, things you're doing, things, is it just trial and error? I mean, what do you do to continue to improve yourself as a coach? For sure. I mean, what I would say for anybody who's maybe going through the grad school process, the one thing that I like when I get, when I have people call me and kind of ask, you know, for, for guidance or advice or wisdom, the one thing I always say is, is get out there in grad school. Like who says that you can't get out there and, and start working with, Um, you know, anybody and everybody. And that was kind of the one thing I did was offered, you know, my services, told them my situation, offered my services, obviously for free. You got to do a lot of stuff for free when you're starting out. 
and just get that experience, you know, get in front of people, get in athletes, learn from athletes. That would, I think that's the best way to start is just like getting out there and doing it. Cause often, you know, we play small because we're scared, you know, like, Oh, I don't have the experience yet. I, I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, and I went through that too, but it's like, well, you're never going to get the experience unless you go do it. You can study all the science you want and you can study all the books you want, but unless you're going out and actually practicing, you know, what, how are you getting the experience? So I always think that's a helpful, helpful tidbit for anybody going through that portion um, is just get out there for sure. And I, I, I had people tell me that and it really encouraged me. Um, but present day, you know, I think nobody wants to hear anything from a coach that if that coach isn't practicing it themselves, you know what I mean? So I try and make sure that I'm not, I'm not, you know, teaching anything that I'm not applying in my life myself, you know? So, um, I like to challenge myself in different ways. You know, um, I, I do marathons, marathons to me are something that are, that's super challenging. So I can test kind of where I'm at mentally. Um, Honestly, I sharpen my mental skills by being a wife because I mean, you know, it, 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 I not every day is my best day, and I, I gotta, you know, practice practice uh, using these skills in my own life, um, just as as a businesswoman and being a spouse and and all of the above. Um, but you know, I think it's just important where um, you're always absorbing information. So for me, it's like, um, you know even if I've got a small glimpse of time, how can I absorb some information? So, you know, obviously podcasts, I, I, you know, have, there's so, so many options out there now to, to absorb information. I'm a, I'm a big reader. I carry a book around with me um, in my purse. It's kind of what I'm known for is I'll whip out a purse or I'll whip out a book out of my purse at any moment. Um, so yeah, just always trying to learn from others, but you know, one of the biggest places I learned is just by talking to athletes. And I think my biggest thing that I've, that has helped me in, in my career is learning from those who have done it at the highest level and what they're doing. It's not a one size fit all. So what they're doing is not going to work exactly for somebody else, but you can learn how they did things. And then that, what that would look like for somebody else, you know what I mean? And um, so studying those who have done it, studying the best of the best. Um, I'm always, I, I still have a little bit of that reporter in me where I'm always talking to athletes and trying to learn from the people who are in the trenches doing the work. Uh, I think that is one of the number one ways to expand your knowledge. And um, that'll be something like I'll, I'll hear something, uh, you know, from some some athlete and then I'll, I'll be thinking about it and I'll, I'll come up with an idea for somebody else. And then, you know, we obviously you collaborate with athlete on that, but um, that's kind of where I get uh, all, all of my my content from is obviously you got to be grounded in, in good science for sure. Um, that's that's huge. That's the foundation for sure. But um, gathering gathering wisdom and knowledge from those who've been in the trenches or who are in the trenches. And it's cool how you can apply it to pretty much anything. Yeah. So that that brings up. um something I wanted to talk to you about because of the players that you get to work with, what do you routinely experience from those players the most? Like if you could put two or three bullet points of like, this is what, you know, corn Ferry PJ tour players experience the most bring to me the most struggle with the most, um, you know, I, I want to get to like, what do the best players do, but also like in at what good things do they do? But for now, what, what do they tend to struggle with the most? What do they bring to a mental performance coach mm-hmm. most often? Mm-hmm. See, it's so different because everybody's, di- you know, going sure. through something different. But what's funny is, is I see a lot of guys come with, you know, they're lacking a little bit of confidence and it's, it's a good reminder for anybody out there because even the best in the world, um, you know, the most elite athletes are struggling with confidence. We're just human. That's just how kind of we're wired. We're not always going to feel great. We're not always going to feel hundred percent, you know, confident. Uh, so they struggle with their confidence and guess what? They struggle with nerves. Uh, Kobe Bryant struggles with nerves. Uh, Tiger Woods talks about getting nervous, like the best of the best are getting nervous. So if you're feeling nervous, that's what I always tell people is like, there's not anything wrong with you. It's awesome. That means you're human. Like 
amazing. You know, it, it's, it's kind of what you do with those nerves and, and there's ways to go about that for sure. But, um, you know, I see a lot of confidence. I see a lot of nervousness. Um, and, and it's funny when guys are aware, when they have really good self-awareness, guys know when they're distracted. So like, uh, you know, eliminating, minimizing distractions, stuff like that. Um, and just how do we achieve, you know, good consistency? Um, when, when you sign this contract to yourself, how do, how do we maintain the things that you said you want to do? How do we, you know, keep the, oomph, keep the consistency. Cause especially like, obviously in golf, the travel schedule is insane. You're always in a different place, especially like for the corn Ferry tour guys, it's like, it's a grind and it is for the PGA tour guys too, but like corn fairies, especially a grind and like any mini tour below that, you know what I mean? Like it's just all a grind and it's taxing and it's especially, obviously it's physically taxing, but it's especially mentally taxing. So like working through a lot of those things of, you know, how do, how do I, you know, keep uh, the zest? How do I keep the, the, the good perspective in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the, you know, uh, disgusting hotel that I'm staying at this weekend and, you know, (laughs) just the awful weather and, you know, the wind and all these different, you know, chaotic things that come with it. So I would say any humanly feeling that's possible, these guys are experiencing. Which yeah. is like for some reason we put at all these professional athletes on a platform, but like we all put our pants on the same way at the end of the day, and we're all human and we all go through the same thoughts, feelings, and emotions. But you know, it's how do we wrangle those and, and still have control? Yeah. Uh that's like you said at the top, it's very encouraging to listeners like average 95 shooters like <laughs> yeah, you me. you put your pants on just like <laughs> Dustin Johnson puts their pants on like it right. you're 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 experiencing the same human emotions but Dustin Johnson's better at wrangling to use your word uh you know managing those emotions yeah. so you mentioned confidence as you know something almost every player struggles with everybody listening to this struggles with confidence every yeah. human mm-hmm. non-golfer struggles with confidence to put you on the spot a little bit, if someone comes to you and says, I mean, I just like, I, I go from the range to the first tee and I just, I, I just don't feel like I know where the ball's going to go. Um, how do you help them with confidence? And, and before you get into that, how would you define confidence? So like definition of confidence, and then how would you help a player who's lacking it? Hmm. Well, you know, I think in, in, what I would to kind of turn it back a little bit, what I would probably say to that athlete is like, how do you define confidence? What does confidence look for, look like for you? And, and when you're confident, like, give me a time when your confidence was a 10 out of 10 and let's write down some descriptors and go from there, you know? So at confidence, I think, I mean, in my life, I could probably only speak in my life. Confidence for me is like, the, the knowing that you're capable of, you know, doing or performing a certain task, um, you know, but again, that might look different for somebody else. But for me, confidence is just that unwavering knowing of I've got this. And no matter what, even when the challenge, con- like even when obstacles comes, I can adjust and pivot and I'll be OK. You know, so that's my personal de- definition. And like, if somebody, for example, came to me with, with kind of the scenario you presented first, I I think it's important to become a researcher of themselves. Like, okay, so what is it that you're saying to yourself? Because we know self-talk is what you, the conversations you have with yourself, uh, you know, funnels directly into our confidence. Okay. So first I would really want to know what is it that you're saying to yourself, you know, and kind of really double click from there, double click from there and get to the nitty gritty specifics. Because oftentimes I find that these guys are talking trash to themselves without even knowing it. So we have to develop the awareness. So confidence actually comes from a lot of other things. Obviously you want to see the ball going in the hole, all the things, but you know, there's ways to front load confidence in certain drills physically, but on the mental side, like we got to get down to the bones of like, how are you treating yourself? How are you talking to yourself and kind of double clipping, clicking and growing from there? You know, so I think there's different aspects, like there's a physical aspect of like front loading um, those drills to, to see things you want to see. Um, you know, and visualization helps with that as well, but also the internal part where self-talk, like, 
how are you talking to yourself? And most guys are not even aware of mm. what they're saying. And and so we've got to train that for sure. Yeah. So a theme on the podcast recently and and the more the more science-based people I talk to, like people who have their master's in a science psychology related field or PhD level or whatever, yeah. they all mention awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's an incredibly potent theme on the like over the last five conversations, and it should be like I, what I'm learning. It should be the most common theme. But how would you, if if a player doesn't even realize they're having bad self talk and they need to be aware first to notice the bad self talk before addressing it? How would they get better at being aware? Is it simply like go out there and notice, or is there is there drills like for the listeners? Like how could listeners of this podcast train their awareness to get better at that? For sure. Excuse me. Well, I think one one really incredible way that really good science backs up is meditation, and so I actually kind of changed the word. Cause a lot of guys that I work with are freaked out by the, by the word meditation. So I just, I kind of call it, um, you know, awareness training. I, I, when, when you coin it like that, oftentimes mm. guys are a little bit more willing using the word training helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything training. Um, <laughs> so, you know, first, uh, you know, me- meditating, that's, that's the number one way we know to begin to train our awareness of thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and kind of how they all work together, uh, for you specifically to, you know, uh, spending good time in reflection. I'm a big believer in getting pen on paper, or as I just transitioned to my iPad, I, I pen on whatever you want on the <laughs> iPad screen. It's been tough for me, but yeah. gotta get, gotta start writing and, and get, getting everything down on paper and um, having kind of doing things with purpose on purpose. So going out and being intentional about what am I saying to myself in this moment, especially when it gets hard. So like, obviously, you know, maybe we don't rely on self-talk talk as much when, when things are easier, but like going out there and being in the trenches and when it gets tough, what are you saying to yourself? So like whether they need a tangible reminder to do that in their yardage book or somewhere else, um, you know, having just that it, it all begins with the intention and making sure you're, you're doing this, you know, with purpose on purpose. And then, um, once you have that, you, you develop that keen sense of awareness. It's crazy what, what you, what you begin to notice. But I would say, you know, for the listeners, a great place to start is like the daily calm and you're not doing it just to, you know, lay there and do it. Like it's actually training things. If you're just, if you kind of have that intention on refocusing when your mind drifts, um, so that's a simple way that any listener could begin to train awareness and and for me, I believe I'm a big believer in in getting everything down on paper. Of what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Um, when you're at your best, when you're at your worst, like just become a researcher of yourself. Get to know yourself, and that's really where uh, when the good things start to happen. Mm, I like that concept. Be a researcher of yourself. That's awesome. Like, yeah. I mean, you you're living this life for the next <laughs> 10, 10 years or fifty, sixty yeah. years, like you, you get, you don't have another life, like learn your own life the best. Right. I love that concept. Stuck with yourself. So you might as well just like love on yourself, get to know yourself and, and, and work on yourself. You know, we can't control Mm. anybody else. Yeah. Okay. So kind of sharp left turn into some more nitty gritty mental coaching questions. I don't, I don't want to treat this like, here's a question, answer it for me. But mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, you're, you're smart. So maybe you can handle it. Uh, yeah. If, if a player comes up to you and says, cause this is, this is a common thing I see a lot. Um, I really struggle moving on from bad shots. Like I hit a, I hit a bad shot, you know, it was terrible. And I just, I dwell on it for the next three or four holes. Mm. How, how would you address that with a player? It's, I mean, I, I was about to say it's less common with, you know, best players in the world, but their bad shots are just better than ours, but they yeah. still have, you know, they have high standards. But um, so if a player says, I really struggle moving on from bad shots, which everyone does, how would you try to help them work through that? Very common. See it all the time. So uh, again, it's it's one of those things we don't think that the best in the world are struggling with, but they are. So first things first, like if you get down to the bottom of it, likely, obviously that player is not present. They're not in the moment. And <clears throat> One thing I really try and work on is like 
it's one thing to tell a player like, oh, be present, like be present. You just got to be present. Like nobody wants to hear that. They want to know how, you know, And, and that's the biggest feedback that I've gotten from a lot of the players that I work with of like, yeah, my whole life, people have just told me to be present, but nobody's showed me how, you know? So I don't want to say that without any, like, to be present in that moment without like explaining, you know, there are ways to get present. So like Hmm. bad shots are going to happen. Like we just have to accept it, you know, like in the game of golf, golf is just one of the hardest games and and the bad shots are just going to happen. And really like part of it's like coming, coming back to that, you have to develop acceptance in order to be able to move on, but that looks different for everybody. You know what I mean? So like, I've got some guys that have like almost like a checklist that like a a checklist they go through of like when they do hit a bad shot and they are, they, they, they notice like a lot of the guys I work with are at that level where they have really good self-awareness and they can feel that this shot is following them into the next. Um, You know, a lot of them have a little, a little checklist they'll go through of, of ways to process that bad shot and, and create a little bit more acceptance around that shot. You know, I've got some guys that might just hit a reset there and a reset might look different for every single person. Like some guys um, really rely on a series of breaths and, you know, I have them find a sequence that were of a breathing sequence that they need in that moment, whether they need to go up, whether they need to go down or whether they need some regulation, like they've got something for everything. So maybe it's hitting that, or maybe it's something tangible where, you know, he's literally grabbing grass and blowing it in the wind or taking off his glove or, or, you know, fidgeting with something or looking around and, you know, a really good way to reset um, and get back into the present moment is just five senses, like look around and tell, think about what's something I'm hearing. Like I'm hearing my clubs, you know, clanging in, in the bag. Um, I'm seeing, you know, the spectator eating a hot dog, you know, it could be anything. So like five senses brings you really back to truly where your feet are. But also, like I mentioned, the breath is the gateway back to the present moment. So, you know, flushing the frustration and working through it. So like some guys name why they're like, why, what just happened? What got me frustrated? They almost like name it and then kind of double click and work from there. And then once they feel like they've worked through the frustration, they use, they rely on a reset or a breath or something to bring them back to that moment. Because we know in order for you to be at your best, anybody to be at their best, you have to be fully engulfed. Our body can only be in one place at one time. Our mind can be in three places. Our mind can be in the past, present, future. Okay. But we need this to be aligned in order for anybody to be at their best, especially in golf. So you got to get your mind and and body on time together aligned. Um, So again, that, that's the, the logistics of it might look a little bit different for everybody. Um, but you know, there's really good, solid things that everyone can build off of like the breath, you know, something tangible, five senses, Um, you know, a reset flushing stuff like that. I love that. So we've got awareness. We're combining things now. We've got awareness. You got to notice when you're off time, when you are dwelling on the past, thinking about the future, finding a way to accept it Mm -hmm. and then coming back to the present using whatever technique that is, you know, the sound of the Velcro, the five senses. Mm -hmm. I love the five senses because there's nothing more present than what your body is feeling right now or experiencing right now. That is the present. And I love that. I think that's an awesome technique. I mean, we can't say one size fits all, but it's a pretty, pretty broad thing that could apply to a lot of people to say, if you feel like you're in the past or in the future, come back to the present by just noticing what's going on around you. Awareness. It always goes back to awareness. You're right. right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so to coin that, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Somebody oh, yeah. beautifully, like you can't grow unless you, if you don't know, you know, you can't hmm. grow if you don't know. I, I don't even know who said that. I heard it once and, and hmm. it's just so true. Like you don't even know if you're some, some people, if you, if you don't have awareness, you don't even know that you might be ruminating on a bad, bad shot from six holes ago. You know what I mean? Like it, it it's all about it all. Like you said, stems from awareness truly. Mm. Yeah. Like you said, it all stems from awareness. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to transition from, uh, and we might get a lot of the same answers because there's really not that it's pretty simple. Like mental, the mental side of golf is pretty simple. Like there's, it's not easy, but it's like, 
you know, here's a, here's a few strong pillars that apply to pretty much everyone. Now, a lot of variation within, but with the players that you work with, you work with a lot of high level players. What three or four qualities do you see that a lot of them do really well? Like mm-hmm. what, what are some common themes between like really healthy on time, good players that, yeah. you know, they're all kind of doing these things. Absolutely. The best in the world are consistent in their daily stuff. They're small things. That's the biggest thing I've I've really noticed is the best are consistent in the small things. Like Kobe Bryant said, never get bored with the basics. They don't get bored with the basics. And golf is really easy to try and um, kind of try and take the sexy route of like swing obsession and all of that. And really it's, it's like the best are never getting bored with, with the basics, um, you know, the basic drills and, um, you know, the, can, they're consistent in their, their AM and their PM routines. They're consistent in their, uh, you know, awareness training practices. They're consistent in their stretching, their breathing, uh, you know, exercises, their visualization, they're doing, they're hitting every single base consistently. And I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed is like, I've seen people do dabble in a little bit of everything and it doesn't go, it doesn't go far because it's not stacking, you know, the guys that are consistent, it's stacking. And I, I've seen that come to fruition of, um, you know, the guys that have stacked consistently have been rewarded and it, it's, it's a fun thing to see for sure. So I think that would be the biggest takeaway. Um, and, and I think just the, the best also are kind of like obsessed with like, they love, they love it, you know, like, and and that's the thing. It's like at sometimes they don't like it, but no matter what they love it, you know what I mean? And and truly it's like an intrinsic motivation. They're doing it because, you know, for themselves within, obviously they, they, you know, might have people that they're, you know, doing it for as, as some sort of motivation as well, but it, it comes intrinsically and it's their happy place and in um they don't skimp on the hard work they're out there grinding and um you know i, I just it it really kind of all just comes back to the little things is mm-hmm. is the big thing i noticed sure. um yeah. but they they don't leave they don't leave gaps like they've got a team that covers everything they don't leave the mental game up to chance i know that of course you're going to expect the mental lady to say that but like truly the best in the world do not leave the mental game to chance they just don't it's it's yeah just what it is at that level because at that level it's marginal gains it's you're literally looking for the 0.1% you know to yeah. get better and for some that could be the mental mm. Yeah. And I hear in the consistent daily small things, I hear, you know, patience, grit, perseverance, and it bounces off of that intrinsic motivation to to be able to stay that consistent and that patient and that gritty. You have to love what you're doing. There has to be a deeper reason why, because if it's just based on all I care about is winning, well, you're not going to last very long. All I care about is shooting a good score. You're not going to last very long because you're going to you're going to get off the rails quick because golf is so hard. You're not always going to, you're going to lose 99 times and win once. And it's just, um, it has to come from internal. Yeah. And they're bought, these guys are bought into that too. Like they know, obviously results matter. They, that's, that's how they make their living and it's really cutthroat at certain levels. So it's like, um, they, they're bought into the process rather than outcome-based thinking. So truly like, that is, that is another big pillar is like, they are so bought in, in the process rather. And they know if they can stack small wins that it'll lead to something bigger in the long run. But, you know, a lot of guys say they're bought into that, but they're not, you know, and it's apparent, but like the best of the world are truly bought into the long-term process and know that from there, you know, the, the, the outcome they desire will come eventually. Yeah. So with these, with these traits, I mean, is this, is this something you observe like, okay, all of my players pretty much got this now let's work on other things. Or do you have to address these sometimes with players? For sure. So like, it's, it's interesting because like, 
you know, everybody's on a different part of their journey. So like, I've got guys where things are going extremely well right now. And it's just like, you ride this wave, but like, it's on me to help them stay zipped up and consistent with things. And they're, you know, really good at it and things are just flowing. It's awesome. And then I've got some guys that are experiencing a little bit of turbulence right now. So like what's at the forefront right now, what do we need to kind of same thing, zip up and, and make sure um, is tightened and, or is there anything that you feel like you're missing in your mental toolbox that we need to address? Um, and a lot of it too, is just like really good reflection and then double clicking on the reflection and seeing what we can find there of, oh, maybe this could be a little bit better. Oh, maybe it would be nice if there was a system in place right here. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of reflection, a lot of unpacking, and it requires a lot from them. And then we can work together, you know, so um, that's where the best they're they're taking really good notes. They're doing really good reflection and they're always bringing me stuff that they feel like they want to talk through, address or, you know, work through or develop some sort of a strategy to start implementing. So, yeah, you've got guys all over the board and um, that's why my job is so fun and it's a challenge and it's a wild ride. But um, it's just a lot of reflection and talking and unpacking, truly. Yeah. A researcher of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Never okay. So kind of another left turn into a random golf question or random competitive competition okay. question with, with the pressure that these guys feel on a regular basis and, and every golfer on every level feels pressure on, on some different form. Yeah. How should, should players treat tournament rounds differently or should they try to make tournament rounds feel more like casual rounds? What I've heard different concepts on this, different um, opinions like, no, treat it like it's just another round of golf or no, it's really a pressure thing. Address it differently. How do you feel about that? Well, I love that question because I would ask that same question. If some, if a golfer came to me with that, I would turn the question back on them. It, like I always do. And would, would, begin finding like, okay, how do you feel when you are more, when it is more lax, like when it is more of a practice, like round setting, you know, some guys really feel better in that situation. And then, you know, the, the tournament round is, is a lot more stressful for them and it's, it's harder to navigate. So, you know, uh, but then you have some guys that are like, oh no, when it's too lax, I don't like, like, I like when I'm under the gun and I'm in the trenches and, you know, it's, it's, there's some pressure. I love that. So for me, I think it's just, important, I would, I would turn it kind of back on the athlete and figure out what makes you tick best. Like what, what is you at your best? Like let's, let's again, research that let's figure out what that looks like and then build from there. And then maybe we need to, we need to make some adjustments or, or replicate, um, you know, take things, uh, you know, when you're at your best and replicate them in, in, you know, high pressure or more stressful situations, so again, I'm probably giving you the worst answers ever because it it's hard for me to say it's one way or the other, but I would probably just flip that question back, understand that wh- how the athlete, you know, performs at their best and then kind of take it from there. The, mm. Not the answer you probably wanted, huh? No, that's right. It, it, there is a risk of like blanket statements for everybody. And there's millions of different people that all have, you know, different thumbprints of like, this is you specifically. This is your baggage that you bring to this. So it's it has to be different for everybody. And mm-hmm. and I'm unfairly trying to get you oh, to no. say one thing that applies for everybody. No, I love it. But you know, like for example, I've got a guy that when he's relaxed and it's just kind of more like free flowing, you know, the the his past success, you know, obviously success leaves clues. His past success shows that he he's at his best. So again, when he starts to feel a little itchy or agitated, you know, throughout a tournament, we try, we have, you know, strategies that he goes to, to get back to that relaxed, free flowing place, because we know that he's at his best. And then for another guy that, you know, likes it when it's, when it's a little bit zippy, when he's under the gun, like the chip on his shoulder, you know, and, and maybe a, a, perhaps a tournament round doesn't really feel like that. Um, we create a game within a game where he kind of competes against himself and has a goal that he sets out to kind of accomplish. So like uh, there's ways to kind of work around whatever that athlete to kind of, kind of cultivate and create within uh, to, to help them achieve the state they want to be in um, whether it's relaxed or a little bit like 
you know, there's a lot on the line here, creating a little bit of pressure on themselves. Hmm. Yeah, a, a thing I've heard that doesn't like the framework applies to everybody, but it's still individual is is something I heard. I guess it was on the Finding Mastery podcast with Michael Gervais. He he said something like finding your five. So it's like between one to 10, 10 being like way too, like you said, zippy or whatever, yes. uh, uh, like way too amped up and one being like, you don't even care, apathetic. Yeah. Finding your five, you know, your five might be an eight to someone else or a two to someone else, but your five, and that goes back to being a researcher of yourself, being aware, reflecting, it all comes into finding your spectrum and being able to notice, okay, I'm creeping up onto seven, eight or nine. Okay. I'm creeping down to, you know, four, three, two and finding like, when am I in my sweet spot? When am I at a five? And, and that's when you're going to be able to play your best, whether it's amped up compared to others or relaxed compared to others. Absolutely. That's perfection. It's finding your sweet spot. And I've used that with several of my guys of finding your five, you know what I mean? And what that looks like. And we just kind of call it the sweet spot. Um, and, and, you know, so maybe if you're too low, what's going to amp you up? Like we have stuff in place for that. Or if you're too high, what's going to help bring you back down? You know what I mean? And then we have systems set up for most of my guys where they're doing a check-in like every three holes. So they're checking in where, where am I at? Where am I at right now? And and there it's a consistent check-in to kind of help maintain that awareness because awareness can be, you know, can flow in and out. So it's like, having a consistent system in place where you're checking in on yourself is allowing you to, um, you know, evaluate where am I a six sick? I still need to get back to my five because that's when I'm at my best. So you said it perfectly. Yep. Awareness, always awareness. So, so with all these big moments that these players get into and it's like, you know, something I've experienced like you're standing over a putt and you know, it's importance. Like you're, you, you could try to block it out as much as you want, but you know how important it is. You're standing over it and you're like all the things that could happen. And as we're recording the masters, this is is this week and it's, there's going to be, someone's life will be changed on Sunday evening. It, whoever it is, no matter how successful or unsuccessful they've been to this point, their life will change if they win. So, that can't be denied. How can you find a center point? How can you, how can you hit a shot like that under that much uh, pressure? I mean, for lack of a better word, just all this monumental change that you know will happen. How can you perform, find your five in that kind of moment? Do you have any guidance for that? What I would say is that that kind of, to get to that point, a lot of training has to happen before that. Just like if you if you want to be a lead at anything, you've got to work, you know, you got to really work on it. And so I would say, like, I think oftentimes people think moments like that people are just like made for those moments, which some people. Yeah, we can't deny that they are just built differently and they think differently. But that kind of like that, that can be achieved. That can also be trained if that's not how you are by default. So, you know, but kind of people tend to think that it's just you have it or you don't you know, and, and the, or it just comes in that moment or it doesn't. And what I would say is like, that's got, that takes time and time and time again, again, again of training. Like you mentioned how like, you know, DJ is, you know, you know, might be really good at flushing his shots, um, but it's like his bad shots, but, you know, think of how many times he's times he's had to work through that and work on his process of flushing a bad shot and what that looks like for him. So like, those guys that find themselves in those moments at the, at the masters or, or these, uh, you know, they, they have been there and, and they have practiced and they have trained for this. So like, there's so many different ways you can train for a moment like that. One that I love to use is visualization. And, you know, we know that the brain doesn't know the difference between uh, a well-imagined event or a real one. If you're doing it kind of, you know, I don't want to say right or wrong, but if you're including like all five senses and making it as real as possible. So like, you know, oftentimes I'll have a lot of my guys visualize moments like that, like really high pressure situations, really high pressure moments. And they're standing over a putt. And what do you want to be thinking? What do you want to be feeling like? Let's really go there. And on top of all the other training you're doing and, and, you know, when I, when I go out and work with them on the course, like we try and simulate this kind of stuff, but um, 
on top of that, it's really the visualization and hitting that consistently because then when they step up, like, you know, I had one guy kind of in a similar situation like that. And then when you step up to that putt, you've been there before and you've been there hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of time. The brain doesn't detect it as a threat and you're going to be able to regulate yourself and stay in control and deliver. So I think the the biggest thing that I hit consistently is, is visualizing these really big moments and then you just become a lot more uh, familiar with them. You know what I mean? And it, there's no wear and tear. You're literally doing it, you know, in, in, with your legs up on your wall. Um, so I think, I think that's a huge, and that's something that anybody could do, you know what I mean? But like, make it as real as possible. Like, what are you tasting? What are you smelling? What are you hearing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Like really go there and go there consistently. And that's one way that you can train to be, to be how you want to be in those big moments, you know? Hmm. I love that. Yeah. We're getting some real practical stuff for (laughs) for players. This is good. So, so you, you've mentioned, um, awareness, training, visualization, acceptance, techniques to bring yourself back to the present. Um, and you mentioned reflection, like, um, like you said, pen on paper or Apple pencil on yeah. iPad or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what just as a kind of, kind of a closing thing for players, uh, just another practical thing that they can do. What would you say, what kind of prompts would you say for, for a player that says, okay, I want to get better at this reflection thing or journaling or post round evaluation. Mm. Is there something that most players could do that it's like, like maybe it's something you do that you, you kind of hit some points every time you write, like, is there something players can do? For sure. I would start like players for sure. I would start with a post round routine of getting pen on paper, whatever it is, getting your thoughts from that round down. What, what did, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? What came up? Um, even if it was the slight, you know, I, the more specific, the better, even if it was something that seems mild or slight, write it down, get it all down and make a routine out of it. Like, okay. So, you know, for example, we could do a post round routine. You write, you write a recap, you write your thoughts, your feelings, what happened, um, big takeaway, maybe some small wins. Uh, I always like to end it with a good, something, something good from the day. And then kind of when you, and maybe you, maybe you talk through it with your caddy, if you have one, um, or, or maybe, you know, uh, you, you end it with some breathing could be anything, but then when you close the book, the round, you, the round is, is, is over. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's another thing is like, people will take that round with them to dinner with their spouse or with their families or with their parents. And it's, it's not productive to, you know, creating some separation there, which is really important actually, especially as you, you know, grow in your career. So I would say post round routine, perfect, most incredible way to start. Second, like, develop like, uh, you know, not everybody loves to journal, which is okay. But like, even if you just have like moments where you have uncensored writing of like, doesn't even have to be a full sentence could be just words, but like getting, just getting thoughts and feelings down, um, and reflections of your day or your week down on paper. Um, it's just so valuable because there are things you can look back on. And, um, I just think there's so much value because success leaves clues and to be able to go back and, and, you know, observe those clues is, is really important to future success. So um, just, it could, it could be just some uncensored writing. You know, I sometimes will send my guys, like I have certain guys that it was one of their, they want to begin to journal a little bit more outside of their post round routines and notes that they take. And so I'll send them just self-awareness prompts of, you know, um, just any, any ideas to kind of, it's just a starting point to get them going, thinking, get the wheels turning. So um, if somebody's looking to do that, I mean, you could even just go online and look for, you know, prompts and and go from there, you know what I mean? Or, but it's all about kind of just getting to know yourself on a deeper level, because the more that you know about yourself, um, you know, the better you can, you know, manage and control yourself during performance. So I think definitely a post-round routine is valuable. And then just some uncensored writing is a really nice place to start and then just build from there as you get better at it, you know? Yeah. And I, I like the idea of like pressure release valve as a purpose of, um, journaling, getting words out. Cause it's like, if you keep it bottled up and, and, 
it's just it feels like it just builds up pressure over time and if you right. if you can get that if you can release that pressure and you start to see what you are saying you build the awareness of you know this is what i tend to go through so it's kind of a twofold get it out of you and yeah. then learn from what you're writing Precisely. And, and two, sometimes it's hard to vocalize what we're feeling. So I found that through writing, sometimes people can, sometimes we can better express ourselves uh, through writing, which not always is it easy to, to verbalize, you know, how, how we think or how we feel about certain situations. So writing kind of sometimes can, can conjure up those, those images or words, words a little bit better. Exactly. Okay. So one final question. Um, it's a silly question, but I like asking it to everybody. Uh, what, what percent of golf or performance or sport is mental and what percent is physical? Hmm. (laughs) You know, I've never been good at percentages. So this one, this one might take me a minute. (laughs) I mean, I, it doesn't have to add up to a hundred. If, if I could put myself like if I were asking myself what part of anything in my life is mental, I would say a hundred percent. I probably am biased, but I truly with every fiber of my being believe that because even in my hardest times or my hardest challenges in life, it all revolved back to something mentally. So um, I would go with a hundred. If you asked, you know, the golfer that I spoke to this morning, I bet he would probably say 95% of it's mental and the other five's physical, because obviously you got to be good to, to compete at the level he's playing at. But like, I think majority would say the most, the, the, the greater of the two would be the mental. Um, mm. And, and I, again, I, I truly believe that with, with every fiber of my being, but now I'm kind of interested and I kind of want to go out and do a case study and, and gather some opinions and get back to you on, on a, on a percentage there. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's such a, it's such a varying response from people. Some people say it's a hundred mental and a hundred physical because, mm-hmm. you know, what's really different here. It's your brain it's part of your body, your mind, whatever mm-hmm. it, it just, it it is interesting um and what i'm seeing is like most players is like the better you get the more mental it becomes yeah. because you've got the physical part kind of taken care right, of right so it makes sense that the player you talked to earlier would probably say mostly mental right but yeah it's well, um physical kind of the the physical errors turn into mental you know errors and then yeah it just i mean it can, it's all kind of compiled truly but yeah you like Jordan Spieth said it best. He said, gosh, I wish I still had the mentality I had when I was a kid in junior golf, because I just had fun. Like I would just aim at certain targets just for fun. And I would just like have a blast out there. And now I overthink everything. So like, you know, like you said, it tends to, as we get older, we, we tend to, the mind actually does kind of start to overpower because we know the physicals there for a lot of these guys, but, and obviously it's, it's a foundational aspect of it. I don't want to diminish that, but like, you know, the mental can really get in the way if it's not, um, you know, trained properly. That's right. Yeah. Well, there's no right answer to that, but you did, you you did good. That's a good one. That's, that's stumped me. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little case study and get back to you. Cool. Okay. So is there anything you want to promote? Where can people find you? That kind of thing. It's the floor is yours. Oh, well, thanks. I I mean, I just appreciate conversations like this. They're fun for me. And I think the more that we can talk about, you know, the mental side of things, the better, because um, my goal would just, you know, be that I hope everybody uh, is equipped, can be, can learn how to be equipped with the mental and psychological tools and strategies that have helped me so much in my life and, um, you know, to achieve their best, whatever that might look like for them. Um, so I appreciate what you're doing for sure. And I am just on social media, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram, but that's really about it. I kind of keep, keep that kind of side. I I try and keep mellow on, I try and stay off technology as most, as best I can, but, um, still use it, um, to hopefully add value in some sort of way. So, um, I'm on Twitter. I think I'm, Sarah J. Chafee, which is my last, which was my maiden name. And then on, on Instagram, I'm Sarah J. C. Taylor. (laughs) 
So still getting used to that, but yeah, you, that's, that's where you can find me and um, we can keep the conversation going, but uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at these days. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been an honor and I I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you having me, Josh. You're awesome. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sarah. I know I did. I learned a lot. Uh, I always do from these conversations, whether it's, you know, how to play better, how to be a better golfer, how to think better, uh, how to coach better, how to um, how to bring better information to you, how to learn better. Um, I just I always learn so much from these. Um, so I hope you did too. I hope you took notes. I, if you need to, go back and listen again. I, these kind of the last um, three or four months has has been a just an awesome uh, stretch of interviews with um, really smart people that that know what they're talking about. So. Um, as always, I want to extend uh, a few things that I, you know, at the end of these. First of all, um, Sarah and I are not your psychologists. We, uh, this, uh, I feel obligated to tell you that this is not, um, this advice is not meant to help you get through mental illness, get through, uh, you know, anything you're really struggling with. This is just kind of information purposes. So, um, y- you know, use what you hear, uh, you know how the phrase goes at your own risk. So I feel obligated to say that. Um, and there's no, I don't feel like there's a risk to what we say. I, I feel like it's all, uh, all helpful, but, um, you know, if you need to work with someone, you should work with someone one-on-one as your actual mental coach, psychologist, counselor, whatever it is, uh, whether you want to work with Sarah, whether, whether you want to work with me, um, and I'll, I'll include links to to connect with Sarah, and um, and I'll include links to connect with me uh, if you would like to pursue that path. Um, but I think that's that's it's only so much you can get from podcast episodes. It's only so much you can get from listening to how what to do right. It's the same as reading a book. Um, uh, in a in a session recently with a player. Uh, they said it's such a difference between reading how to ride a bike and actually riding the bike. So uh, I, I would equate that to it's it's so much different from reading or listening to things about the mental game and actually getting in there hands-on, working on it one-on-one with someone who does this for a living, researches it, uh, studies it, works with other players for a living. Um, so if you'd like to do that with Sarah, I highly encourage you to, if you'd like to do that with any of the, any of the past people I've, I've had on the podcast, I highly encourage you to, if you'd like to do that with me, I highly encourage you to. So, um, and it would be an honor to be able to work with you. So, uh, if, if that's the case, um, you can reach out to any one of us for me specifically, if you want to work with me one-on-one as your mental coach, you can email me foundationsgolf at gmail.com. That's how you can get directly in touch with me, uh, and we can kind of head down that path. Um, I also want to uh, remind you that the best way to show your support for this podcast um, is to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, um, or subscribe, or leave a rating on Spotify. I believe it lets you do that there. Um, leave a rating for this podcast. Really, an, a five-star rating <laughs> leave, uh, helps people discover it the best, but... Um, yeah, leave a rating, uh, leave a review, a written review helps even more. It, it helps people discover what this podcast is about from actual listeners. So head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Uh, that would mean so much to me. Um, and if you have any suggestions for this podcast, um, I'll leave a link to drop your suggestions for topics or uh, interviews. I'm trying to do more interviews. It's kind of easier on me in a selfish way to just ask someone questions rather than come up with, you know, ideas and, and content on my own. It's easier to ask people. So if you have ideas for people I should interview, I'm always open to suggestions. So, um, you can, you can do that at foundationsmp.com slash suggestion. I believe it's suggestion and not suggestions. Actually, I'm going to look it up right now as we're talking about, it. I'll drop the link, uh, below no matter what, but uh, let's see, podcast topic suggestion. 
Yeah, so that is foundationsmp.com slash suggestion, singular. Foundationsmp.com slash suggestion. Head there and you can drop uh, what you would like Josh to do an episode about uh, for the Mental Golf Show. So uh, I highly encourage you to do that. That's a that's a great way for you to let me know what you want to hear about or let me know who you want to hear from. Okay, that's enough blabbering for me. I, I As always, I really thank you for stopping by and listening to this episode. It, it just it makes, it makes it all worth it. Um, so yeah, if you need anything, reach out to me. Okay, this has been The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys in the next one.